Hey, hey, I'm Rebecca. This is a podcast for all my single friends out there and for anyone who's ever been single. Cue the laughs, life lessons, and all things love. Welcome to Dating in the Bay. Now, let's get to it. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Dating in the Bay. I'm super, super happy to have you here today. Today is all about egg freezing. I have Dr. Zori from San Francisco here today. And fun fact, I actually I had a couple of friends who froze their eggs and they all used spring fertility. Dr. Zori is here. She gives us the rundown on all things fertility, infertility. It's super common. I would love to do future episodes on other infertility issues because I feel like we need to kind of get rid of this taboo-ness that people are all silently suffering. We're all here to support each other. So without further ado, let's get to Dr. Zori's chat. Dr. Zori, I'm so happy to have you on today. It's an honor to get to chat with you. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for having me and very excited to be here today having this conversation. Of course. I think you're in Salesforce. Yep. We're in the Salesforce Transit Center now and then also in Oakland and Sunnyvale and Danville. Oh, wow. Everywhere. Yes. So before we start, I saw that you're a fellow Pelotoner. Yes. Who's your favorite? I've been on like a Robin kick recently. Um, also, Emma and Allie, those are definitely my favorites and love doing Peloton. I feel so good when I do it. Right? It's like so addicting. <laughs> it is. Who are, who are your favorites? Emma and Cody. I like all of them, honestly. They're, they're all really fun. They are. And then I saw also you're a big Bravo person. What are your go-to shows? everything to the dismay of my husband like real housewives of every city definitely probably my favorite i'd say those do you watch uh, married to medicine i watched the first season but i haven't watched it since it was funny though the first season and then i just got wrapped up into like every real housewives city yeah definitely so my husband and i we always joke about like when you're a doctor's wife or when you're a doctor's husband because we're both physicians so we joke about that a lot how did you guys meet we met in med school our first year of med school in indiana Wow, that's so cool. And then I saw you went to Austin also. Yep, I went to college at the University of Texas. I ran track there, which is what took me down there initially, and then went back up to Indiana for my medical school and residency. Oh, cool. Already jumped ahead of my questions, but I would love to hear kind of more about like your just career trajectory and how you decided to get into this field. Yeah, I completed my undergrad at the University of Texas, and I was a collegiate track runner there as well. Um, I ran the 800 in the 4 by 4 and went back up to Indiana where I'm from for med school. I met my husband in first year of medical school. And pretty early on in our clinical rotations, I knew I wanted to do OBGYN. I was just very drawn to the women's health field and that initial experience of you know being able to counsel someone from adolescence to older adulthood. And then when I got into my residency and having my first experience with the REI field, I was very drawn to that just with the patient population and the science, the technology that was rapidly changing. And it's just such a unique experience to be a part of someone's journey at this point in their lives. So I was immediately drawn to this part of the field as well. And so happy to be doing what I'm doing on a daily basis. That's awesome. So we're talking today about fertility and egg freezing. And so at least for me, I had never really thought about these things. I guess I never really think about fertility. I'm almost 34. And you know, we're one year into the pandemic. And basically one year lost. <laughs> I have no like actual prospects on you know that timeline. 
And it kind of had me thinking more about, you know, I have a bunch of friends who've frozen their eggs and I have other friends who are married who've done IVF and kind of wanted to talk just holistically about the whole fertility world since I don't really know much about it. So am I too late for the whole, like, cause Definitely I, not. what's the optimal age? That's a good question. It's also a hard question because we know that age definitely impacts fertility and we know egg quality and egg numbers will go down as we get older. But that said, you know, is a 26 year old going to do better with egg freezing than maybe a 39 year old? Probably, but you're more likely to use your eggs if you're doing this at a slightly older age as well, just because you're in a later part of your reproductive years. And so I think at 34, that's a great age to be having this conversation and maybe finding out more about your ovarian reserve, looking at your AMH and your follicle counts and getting kind of an estimate of, you know, how many kids do you maybe want? Would you consider having them? And then thinking about if egg freezing is the right option for you. So I think you're at a really great age to be having this conversation, actually. A few. Feel better already. What are the main things that people should consider when they're thinking about egg freezing as an option? Yeah, I think it's just important that you know about your fertility in terms of that for women, our fertility declines with age. And and that's our biology. And so I think it's important that if you're choosing to delay childbearing, whether you haven't found the right partner, maybe you're working on your career or education, you want to travel, that you just know your options. And egg freezing may not be for everyone, but I think it's important that you learn about it, what it is and what it isn't. I would never say it's a guarantee to future success, but it definitely can give you options for the future. And so I think it's important that each person learns about that and how that you know may be beneficial for them, considering how many kids they want and when they may want to start having them. And what would other options be in lieu of egg freezing? So you can do nothing. I think it's important that you make an informed decision for yourself. And that's why I mentioned that egg freezing may not be right for some people for whatever reason. Maybe it's financially or they just don't want to go through it. And I think as long as you're having that informed discussion with your physician about your health and what your fertility timeline looks like, if you choose not to proceed with it, definitely your complete right as a patient to have autonomy in that decision. Um, but I think it's important just to know your options. And that's really the goal is spreading awareness about egg freezing, about our fertility, and just taking the time to learn about it now as opposed to waiting later. And you mentioned the cost. It is super expensive just from my cursory review of researching. Can you talk through what you're paying for? And then also, are there any like explorations for making this cheaper, like more affordable for people? Because it is very expensive. It can be. Definitely, it probably runs like eight to $10,000 for a cycle with medications usually costing between maybe two to $5,000, depending on the medications you need. So there's a few ways to go about financing. One is that some companies, and especially in the Bay Area, a lot of people are lucky that there are companies that cover egg freezing or embryo freezing or the process of IVF, et cetera. So always checking with your company and seeing if you have insurance that covers the process, step one. If you know you don't and you're paying out of pocket, here at Spring, for I'd say the majority of patients who are going through doing what we call a conventional protocol, we do have an egg freezing payment plan. So it's no money down and no interest for three years as you pay monthly. It thinks about $244 a month to pay the cost of egg freezing over time to hopefully make it more affordable and more accessible for patients who can't come up with just $10,000 in cash. Um, or put that, putting that amount on a credit card. And so that's definitely a re one other reasonable option as well. So, okay, basically, I was hoping that we could kind of walk through the overall process. The only things that I've heard just through my friends are basically, you know, they have to inject yourself, it makes you kind of hormonal, and then there's a retrieval, and that sounds really just intense. Yeah, just give us like an overview of the different stages of the process are. 
Yeah. And I'll speak from just, you know, how I counsel patients. And also I, I went through this process myself of doing embryo freezing with my husband back in fellowship because we were a kind of on that same delayed childbearing path. And so I'll speak also to my own personal experience of the journey as well. It typically is going to start with an initial visit with a doctor. You will go over your history and um, we'll do a vaginal ultrasound to check your follicle count and get an estimate of, you know, how many eggs can we potentially get from one cycle? We'll get a bunch of blood work done that we need to go through the cycle. And then you kind of tell us when you want to start. And when you start, maybe based on when your next period is, it may be based on when you ovulate, you may be put on birth control pills for a short time, like 10 to 14 days, and different protocols for different people of certain ages, timeline, follicle count, et cetera. And then it typically just starts with two shots a night in the evening. Um, you give them to yourself and your abdomen. We teach you exactly how to do these shots, how to mix the medications. It sounds very overwhelming, but I promise most people, once they start doing it, find out that it's not as bad as they were anticipating. So it's two shots a night in the evening for usually 10 to 12 days. Around day six or seven, you'll start a third shot in the morning that's going to prevent your body from ovulating. And that will allow us to get these eggs out when we're ready. And then after about 10 to 12 days, you'll go to egg retrieval approximately two days later. So entire timeline, I think of is about 14 days, you know, give or take a couple on either end. The egg retrieval itself is you're going to go to sleep for it. So you receive what we call a propofol anesthesia. So you're completely asleep. You feel no pain, but you're still breathing on your own. And you will do the egg retrieval. It's usually about 10 to 20 minutes. You'll recover with us for about an hour. And then you're able to go home same day. We do have you take off work day of the egg retrieval just because you did receive anesthesia. I don't want you making like big life decisions. Like I hate my job and want to quit. So no going to work that day that you can go to work the following day. I would say common symptoms or side effects from the process are going to be bloating, some constipation, cramping, and then fatigue. Like you just may feel a little more tired than your baseline. Something I always tell patients is, you know, as you get more bloated, you just kind of have this water weight that does go away at the end of this process. But something like jeans are not your best friend in this process. And really no one's wearing jeans in this pandemic anyways. Not the ideal clothing choice when you're going through this egg retrieval process. But those are the most common symptoms. I would say true mood symptoms, like having like either severe depression or anxiety or, or feeling truly emotional is not as common. You may be anxious about the process or emotional about the process, but it's typically not the hormones causing that. It may just be kind of how you're feeling overall about the process itself, which is very reasonable. And again, I think most people find that it's a little easier than what they anticipated just as after they've gone through a cycle. And then what's kind of the typical number of cycle? I know it's probably really hard to generalize. It definitely varies. It, it's going to vary based on age and numbers of follicles you have. And so I always counsel people, we have an egg freezing calculator on our website and you can plug in your age and potential numbers of frozen eggs you have and get a probability of live birth for one child or two or more. And that's based on published studies that have been done in this field for egg freezing. And so I kind of counsel you based on that. And what probability of success feels good to you? You know, if you're 34 and we get 10 eggs, you know, how does that probability feel for you? Do we want to go again? And I think approaching it one cycle at a time is important because I think you can get overwhelmed if you're considering doing this more than once or you may need to. So I think approaching it one at a time and seeing, it definitely varies on if you have to do it once or more than once, just depending on your initial count and what your age is. And that's kind of how we go about counseling on, on numbers of cycles you may need. And I know you mentioned that you actually went through the process yourself. I would love to hear how that was for you. And now that you're doing that as a profession, it probably gives you an extra sense of empathy. 
It does. Yes. I went through, I think going into my third year of fellowship where I knew that we were just probably going to be delaying childbearing and we just wanted options. Again, I, we hadn't tried to conceive. I didn't know if I was going to have infertility or if my partner did, but it was just something that we had the option to do. And it was definitely a discounted price being a fellow where I was at UCLA. And so I was able to go through and was very fortunate to do that. It was funny though, because doing this, I, I'm a physician who counsels people on these medications and how to give them and answering phone calls. And then I got the box of medications and I was so overwhelmed because it's just such a big box of meds and you're just not used to all the needles and the mixing and everything. And so a couple of pieces of advice I always have is just laying out what you need for that night, like by itself, and then putting that box aside and then putting either meds in the refrigerator or meds to the side in a, a cool dry place, but then having all the medications you need for the evening, like in front of you. So it's less overwhelming. And it definitely got less overwhelming the more days you did it. And that's probably one of my biggest pieces of advice is just kind of separating out the meds. So it just feels less overwhelming. Yeah, that's a great tip. I hope people take that who are listening. We are going to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, GiftPod. Emotions are way more intensified since we don't have all those pre-pandemic life distractions. This year has taught me a lot about resilience and perspective. And the ups and downs of dating during a pandemic are, um, yeah, they're a lot. What's helped me to get through are the unsung bays, my friendships. Through GiftPod, I'm able to record a message to my closest bays and let them know I'm thinking about them and all the fun things we'll do together post-quarantine. The team at GiftPod will spruce it up with music and give it to them as a private podcast. It's a great gift to send to your friends as a pick-me-up and an extra boost to brighten their days during this kind of turbulent time. GiftPod is offering listeners 10% off with a code 104BAY. That's the number 10, S-O-R-B-A-E. You can check them out at giveagiftpod.com. Now, let's get back to the episode. What are the main key aspects that somebody should look for when they're choosing a fertility clinic? Yeah, I think it's important to just, one, have comfort in your doctor. Obviously, this can be an emotional to personal process. It's a lot of vaginal ultrasounds, and you're kind of talking to your doctor about your reproduction and your sexual history. And I think feeling comfortable with the position you have is, number one, important. But number two, also, is making sure the, the clinic you're choosing and the doctor you're choosing has experience in egg freezing. The clinic and the lab itself, comfortable with freezing eggs, but also what are their thaw rates of eggs? Because you know, a clinic can freeze eggs, but do they have experience in actually thawing them to use them for the future? And so that's an important question to ask when you're going to see someone is asking about their success rates of thawed eggs and pregnancy rates of those eggs. Two most important points, I think, is just comfort and and clinic success rates with their eggs. Yeah. And can you talk more about the storage? Because I know that's a big, it seems like a hot button issue from what I was reading about. San Francisco has a lot of earthquakes. So storage issues related to that. Can you just kind of speak to that a bit more? Definitely. Yeah. So storage, once you, once we have our eggs, they're stored different clinics do different things. At spring, we store all, everything on site, eggs, sperm, or the embryos are stored on site. And usually there's a, an annual storage fee you'll pay. So it's 650 here and different clinics may have different amounts that you pay per year. And again, I think it's important to kind of talk about storage in terms of we heard or read about instances of clinics having issues with storage and, and with tank failures where embryos or eggs got thawed and unfortunately weren't able to be used for those patients, which can be devastating for people. 
you know, we have backup systems for our storage tanks that, you know, if the power goes out, there's backup generators and there's enough of the liquid nitrogen to keep the tank cool. And I would say most coded buildings these days in San Francisco are probably up to date in terms of earthquake regulations and where they're on rollers or hopefully less damage is sustained. And so we're doing everything in our power to prevent any issues with tank issues, which you, you have probably read about in the past. Yeah. What do you wish more people knew about the fertility world and specifically egg freezing? I wish more people just knew one that as women, our fertility declines with age. And that is regardless of whether you were super healthy and did yoga your entire life and ate truly organic and, and you know, never drank or never smoked. I hear that comment a lot, especially, you know, from either women, maybe in their earlier mid forties who maybe waited to have children and then don't quite understand the concept of what egg quality is like or, or egg numbers and why they're going down. And they say, because I live this healthy life, like why, why is this happening? And unfortunately, you know, we can't stop that. It's, that is part of our natural biology that our egg reserve will decline with age. And so I think us all having an awareness of that and then options we can take for the future to help with that. And, and egg freezing is one of those options. You know, should you choose to delay children, you have these options for a backup. Maybe you get pregnant very easily with your first child and you use these eggs for maybe two or three because maybe you're having that child at a later age. And so just knowing that you have options in the background frozen potentially, I think just maybe gives people more peace of mind. Definitely. So I'm hoping we can debunk something. I've heard through the grapevine of like some people in the COVID vaccine world. I think it's like a conspiracy. I don't even want to like perpetuate it, but can you speak to this issue? Yes. Unfortunately, it was like this really vast misinformation campaign that was being spread when the vaccine initially came out. And it's really unfortunate because I think a lot of people have grabbed hold of that and like are very vaccine hesitant now, thinking that it's going to impact their fertility. And we have no data, absolutely no data studies, nothing to suggest that this vaccine has any impact on fertility. The reason why this came up is because the vaccine and a amino acid sequence on our placenta shares a very short similar sequence, but it's so short that there's no risk of overlap of theoretically creating antibodies from the vaccine that can maybe attack the placenta or affect fertility in the future. No data to suggest that. We know that patients have had COVID infection and have not had higher rates of miscarriage or have higher rates of not being able to conceive. We know that doesn't exist right now. And so to think that the vaccine could also be impacting our fertility like that is, is just a misinformation right now. So we, we don't have any data on that. Every major society, ASRM and ACOG and the Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine have all recommended that women, pregnant women, reproductive age women are able to get the vaccine when it's their turn, knowing you know pros and cons. Obviously, it's an individual decision that everyone will make for themselves, but I think making sure you're doing that with the right information and not out of fear is important. Yes, 100 snaps and claps to that. Hopefully, everyone is listening to that. Are there any times when someone's family history would make it so that they can't freeze their eggs or like, would there be any risks associated? Usually not family history. I know this is kind of a common myth that like, you know, if you say my mom got pregnant at 40 and had five kids, or, you know, my sister had a bunch of kids and had no issues. And so you assume that your fertility is going to be fine. And unfortunately it doesn't quite work that way because obviously male partners are going to be different and just you're different people in general. And so just because your mom or sister or the other female siblings or family members did not have issues with fertility does not apply to you. It, that's a good thing to know, but doesn't necessarily translate over. I think if your mom or sister or aunt has a history of maybe early menopause, 
sometimes that cause for early menopause can be passed down genetically. And so we want to know, you know, is that the case? Is it a genetic cause? And maybe egg freezing something you want to consider sooner if you're delaying childbearing, if you know your mom or a sister or someone went through menopause at an earlier age. Short of that, there's not many family links why you can't freeze eggs. Okay, that's good to know. And my final questions are, what are the main things that somebody should ask their doctor when they're considering this? I know we talked about age and those kinds of things, but from their own health and like wellness perspective. Yeah, I think one, I think we, you know, we, when you're coming for this visit and you're getting all these labs drawn, you can also just find out about your other health, your thyroid health, you know, prolactin levels, your AMH levels, and see kind of where you stand in your reproductive window of health. And then just what these eggs mean. And I think it's important to understand like what egg freezing is and what it isn't. And again, I will, no one can ever guarantee it's going to guarantee you a future child, but it definitely gives you options for the future. And I think it's important that people know that distinction as well. And just what your probabilities of success are based on your age. And that's going to be different for whether you're 30 or 40 or 35 and the numbers of eggs you have and just having like realistic expectations of what to expect from an egg retrieval. And what do those frozen eggs look like in terms of potentially future embryos created and then future children that you can actually have? Awesome. I'm going to have to remember those. I need to get my act together. <laughs> you're, you're on the right path. You are doing everything right right now. Thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you on the social media platforms and then also the clinic? Yes. So our website is springfertility.com and you can check out all of our providers and all of our locations. I see patients in our new SOMA location at the Salesforce Transit Center. So really happy to be here. Beautiful new clinic on social media. Spring Fertility also has an Instagram site that you can follow them on. And then I have one as well. Um, it's Tamika Zori ND. And you can follow me on there. And I just try and post about fertility, egg freezing, IVF, miscarriages, and just kind of having this conversation that we need to have basically and trying to put it into words that we can all understand and make it a more approachable topic and making sure that people feel like they're know that they're not alone on this journey and that they feel safe and secure. And that is, that, those are my hopes for that platform. Yeah. And it actually you, it's like you read my mind because I was hoping that I could have you on for like a follow-up episode about miscarriages because I think it's an unspoken issue that seems very prevalent that people just don't talk about enough. Agree. 100% agree. I think it's so common up to 25% of women will have a miscarriage in their life. And when people do, they feel so alone and so isolated and so ashamed. And so I think it's an important conversation to have so that women know they're not, they're not alone on that journey and in that process. Okay. We'll definitely have to have you back then for that one. Definitely. Well, Dr. Zori, thank you so much again for joining us today. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed my episode with Dr. Zori. We got into a lot of super interesting issues. And my dating hack of the week is actually something that I picked up from one of my coworkers, who's also a friend. And she told me about this website. It's called elfster.com. And it has these lightning round questions that kind of get to know you, shoot from the hip, funny questions. And they'd be a great icebreaker for a first date. Let's say there's a lull in the conversation or you feel a little bit nervous. You could just pull out your phone and be like, hey, do you want to play a game? And these questions are really funny. They're very random. They ask like Sour Patch Kids or Swedish Fish. I mean, obviously the answer is Sour Patch Kids, but that's a different podcast. Some other ones. How do you feel about cranberries? Tell me what you like to do on weekends in a Valley Girl voice. 
what's the most boring thing ever? If there was a hair in your soup in a restaurant, would you return it? So these are super just random, interesting questions and they're good get to know you icebreakers and I feel like it would be really fun to try it on a date. These are just silly, lighthearted questions and they could lead to something really funny. Like the last one that I'll leave you with before we end is, which animal adds more joy to the world? Squirrels or llamas? Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Dating in the Bay, Twitter, Dating in the Bay. And with that, hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I'll see you guys super soon. Have a good one.